Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study, only about 13 minutes long each day, but it is a daily Bible study, seven days a week, keeps us in God's Word, and thereby helps keep us focused on our relationship with God, upon our souls, and also helps us to stay strong and grow stronger in our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. We encourage you every day to share these studies with everybody you can. You know people in your life who need to turn their lives around spiritually. Help them by sharing these studies with them through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means, with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with everybody you can. What a great blessing it will be for somebody to get to heaven because you started getting them into God's word by sharing these studies with them but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study, asking the most basic question, the most fundamental, the most important question that all mankind needs to be asking every day. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? What is the greatest problem, danger facing mankind today? It's not drought. It's not famine. It's not climate change. It's not wars. It's not violence. It's not crime. It's not a pandemic. It's not an epidemic. It's not some dreaded disease. It's sin sin. All of those other matters are temporary in ways of this world. But as the Apostle John wrote in, Second John, or in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 17, one day this world is passing away. This world will come to an end. The Apostle Peter says that as well in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verses 10 and 11. This world is going to come to an end. And all of those things, all of those matters of this world, they'll come to an end with this world as it comes to an end. But the consequences of unforgiven sin, lifestyles lived in sin, and those lifestyles never being changed to be forgiven of their sins, we're talking about eternal condemnation in hell. Hell is a real place, just as heaven is a real place. A whole lot of people don't want to think about hell because it's too terrible in consequence for them to really give serious thought, and particularly in the face of how they're living their lives in sin, which is leading them to condemnation in hell if they do not repent and seek forgiveness through Jesus Christ. But God wants to save them through Christ. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3 and verse 16 God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 and verse 8. But the wages of sin is death. 
Romans 6 and verse 23. But the other side of that verse talks about the gift that God has waiting for us. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, how do I receive that gift? Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you shall find rest for your soul. Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29. What do I need to learn about Jesus? First, I need to come to grips with the fact that I'm a sinner, lost in condemnation of sin, and oh, I need forgiveness. I need salvation. I want to enjoy eternal life in heaven with my Lord and Savior and my God and Father and the Holy Spirit. Romans 3 and verse 23, the Apostle Paul wrote, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah wrote God's word in Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2, and he said that we're sinners and our sins have separated us from God. So what do I need to learn so that I can receive that gift of forgiveness through Jesus Christ, salvation in Christ, eternal life through Jesus? I need to believe in Jesus. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, the apostle John talks about Jesus being God the Son. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In verse 14, there's no question as to the identity of the Word being identified in verses 1 through 3, in verses 1 through 4. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's Jesus, the Savior, the Lord, the Son of God. I need to believe in him. I need to believe in him with all of my heart as God's Son and my Savior. In chapter 3 and verse 2 of John's Gospel account, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. The Apostle Peter pointed out to those Jewish men gathered on Pentecost, thousands of them, that Jesus had proven himself to be the Son of God and the Savior and Lord, by performing all kinds of miracles and signs and wonders in their midst. But they still rejected him. And so he went on and convicted them, many of them at least, of their sin in rejecting the Savior. And finally, many asked him and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? How shall we respond? And he said, repent. 
You rejected the Savior. You disbelieved in him. You walked away from him. You would not follow him. You must follow him. You must believe in him. You must come to him. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And it was just as the jailer in Philippi asked Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus with all your heart, you and your household, and you will be saved. And then they taught the jailer and his household about Jesus. And immediately, in the middle of the night, they were baptized into Christ for the remission of their sins, just as Peter told those Jews on Pentecost they needed to do. I need to believe in Jesus. If I don't believe in him, then I'm lost in my sin. He is the Savior, the only Savior. There is no other, and there is no other way to God except through him. John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I must believe in him. But believing in him includes believing his teachings, and not just intellectually, but believing them to the point of living by them, obeying them. I need to believe so much that I give my life to him. The Apostle Paul described his becoming a a Christian, that transition in his mindset and the direction of his life. In Galatians 2 and verse 20, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. Physically? Had Paul been nailed to a cross like Jesus was nailed to that cross on Golgotha? No. He was talking from a spiritual perspective. I've been crucified with Christ. He said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not enough for a whole lot of people in this world to say, ah, I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. But they're living in abject sin all the time. They don't read his word. They don't serve him. They virtually never enter a church building and join in worship of the Father and remember his Son, our Lord, in the communion service. But they say, I love the Lord. Oh, I believe in him so much. Well, good for you, but you better do something with that belief that translates into obedience. How many times has a husband told his wife, I love you, I'm sorry that I did what I did, I'm sorry I hit you, I'm sorry I beat you, I'm sorry I broke your nose, I'm sorry I broke your arm, I sent you to the hospital, oh, I love you, I'm sorry I cheated on you with that other woman, it didn't mean anything, I still love you. Talk is cheap. Actions speak louder. How much do you love Jesus? Do you love him enough to give your life to him? Again, Jesus said, come to me. Don't just tell me how much you believe in me. Come to me. He said, take my yoke upon you. 
Learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. James wrote in detail and in repetition in James chapter 2, beginning with verse 17 and through the end of the chapter, that faith without works is dead faith. Where is your true belief? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. John chapter 14 and verse 15. I need to believe in Jesus with all of my heart. And that needs to be translated into living my life in obedience to his teachings, giving my life to him, as Paul said and he had done in Galatians 2 and verse 20. I can't just say, I love you, Lord, and it be true if I'm not living for the Lord, if I'm not walking with him in consistent and faithful obedience and dedication and service. We'll look a little bit deeper next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us the way to be forgiven and to be saved and to have an eternal home with you in heaven. Help us to open our eyes that we need to do more than just give you lip service. We need to give you our lives through Jesus Christ. Please forgive us, gracious Father. Please forgive us and hear our prayer, gracious Father. In Jesus' name, amen.